0: This is Legacy Battle. You can view us on YouTube, Facebook, iHeartRadio, Spotify. If you want to sponsor us, hit us up in that comments section. Michael Adams here, creator of Legacy Battle. Joining me tonight, Gridiron Zone battles Gridiron Battle Zone zone Brian King from Steelers Nation South, Raul Coffin, Ball State athlete Paul Havocot. Our special guest tonight is the son of the late great Bengals cornerback. Ken Riley, who we're going to be discussing tonight, because tonight's show <clears throat> is the top five Cincinnati Bengals of all time. So uh, Ken Riley definitely deserves to be on this list. But uh, Ken's also Ken Jr. is also um, a Bengals super fan, keeps up with the team. So he's going to give us his input on all our players tonight. So thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. I look forward to it.
0: Awesome. We appreciate it. So let's jump into this debate. We're going to start out with Boomer Esiason.
3: All right, Norman Julius Esiason. Wait, what? Boomer. Everybody knows him as Boomer, nicknamed by his mother because of all the kicking he did in the womb, actually. I did not know that. But uh, it feels to a lot of people probably that he's been an analyst forever, and that's actually probably true. He's been an analyst almost longer than he's played professional football. But I definitely think he's a face – of a Bengals top five or franchise. I mean, this is a great Bengal, but he's actually not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He played 14 seasons in the NFL, mostly with the Bengals, but he did spend three seasons, two with the Jets and one with Arizona. His most successful season in Cincinnati was 88, winning MVP and leading the team to the Super Bowl number 23. Uh, They did lose by four points to the 49ers. It was a very close game, and that's... uh, Unfortunately, part of Bengals' history right there. I don't know that they've been close many times, but he was a good chance for them, but they came, came up a little bit short. Unfortunately for the Bengals, he's their last quarterback to win a playoff game, doing so in, 90, in the 90 season. And he's definitely somebody I think of immediately when I think of Bengal greats. Um, some of his stats are actually really respectable. I, I mean, I don't know what people are going to say in terms of the Hall of Fame whether he's borderline or, you know, there's so many other great quarterbacks. But he's ninth in league history for passing yards at 37,920. Tenth in passing TDs at 247. He threw 184 picks. He had uh, 5,205 pass attempts and 2969 completions for a percentage of 57%. Boomer's been to four Pro Bowls. He was a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award 95 for his charitable work. He does, does, did and does a lot of charitable work. He's a great guy, it seems like. He's the only quarterback to hold a franchise record in a single game passing yards. With, it's a solid quarterback, but definitely has a little bit uh, of a ways to catch up to some of the premier quarterbacks we're seeing nowadays. So in his notables, Boomer was still actually going strong in, in the later years of his football career. And after being released by the Jets, he, has, he signed with the Cardinals as a free agent in 96. It was during this season on the 10th of November, he threw for the fourth best passing yardage uh, day in NFL history with 522 yards and a 37-34 overtime victory against the Washington football team. Two weeks later, he led a fourth quarter comeback against the playoff bound Eagles. And I bring this up because he ends up rejoining the Bengals in 97. Takes over for Jeff Blake midseason, midpoint, and actually is excelling. He throws for 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He achieves a passer rating of 106 for the rest of the season. Bengals were three and eight with Blake under center, and then with a coming on, they won four of their last five games. Scored 30 points four times, and then twice they broke 40 points. The Bengals actually requested him to come back for two more seasons after that night, after that uh, last season. But he ends up in goals ahead and retires. But I still think he had some left in the tank. But I love – I'll end it with this. I love the last play of his career. 79-yard TD pass, play-action pass to receiver Darnay Scott for a 16-14 victory over the Baltimore Ravens. You've got to think of boomer when you think of the Bengals. And I think he's a top-five Bengal.
0: He's definitely a player that you think of Cincinnati Bengals. But, Ken, do you feel that maybe his notoriety – is bigger because he is an analyst and everybody sees him everywhere and that kind of makes him more well-known?
2: Uh, That could be a possibility. Uh think has always been like a smaller market. Uh, I must admit, I'm, I'm a little biased because like I said, my father played from 69 to 83. So the quarterback that I grew up watching and that was Ken Anderson. So I'm going to be, that would be my, you know, my top choice, honestly, uh, as far as quarterbacks uh, history, that just because of, like I said, those were the era that I, you know, my father played with. But um, to answer your question, I believe that may play a part in it, uh, his notoriety because he he is still in the, you know, in the public eye as a commentator, so. Well,
0: Rallo, you're from Steelers Nation South. What, what are your thoughts on Boomer seeing as you played him twice a year for many years?
4: Boomer was a gunslinger. He was one of the first gunslingers that I appreciated growing up as a kid and just watching them against the Steelers. I mean, he could deal it. I mean, he, he could throw that ball, especially as a left-handed quarterback. I mean, it was it was a pretty thing, you know, to watch him throw and, and, and get the ball out. <clears throat> Very one, good
1: quarterback. One thing I want to add real quick is that Boomer was one of the first guys to run, like, the hurry up offense. I mean, there was Jim Kelly was really like a pioneer for it, but but the Bengals were right along there with him, like not very long afterwards. And you know, when when he would get going and 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 get hot, I mean, he was one of the best in the league for sure. And we saw in '88 when he won the MVP.
3: Brian, you think he should be in the Hall of Fame?
1: I I don't know. I mean, because it seemed like his window of you know of, of greatness was was kind of smaller than a lot of the other quarterbacks that are in that conversation. But like I said, when there was like a you know, there was a, a, a small short period of time there where he was as good as anybody. If he had gotten the ring, he would have been in. If he'd been he age. That that hurts, yeah, that hurts for sure. Yeah.
0: But let's move on to the other quarterback we're discussing tonight. Kenny Anderson.
4: Kenny Anderson, he's another one of those snubs for Hall of Fame. I think if he had a ring, he uh he would be in the hall. Because when he retired, he was fifth all time in passing yards. So you know he was, you know, he's MVP. You know, so he has the, the he had the numbers when he retired to be you know a Hall of Fame candidate. But uh, some of the things about him, you know, he's still top fifty all time in passing yards. Um, like I said, when he retired, he was fifth all time in uh, passing yards. Um, the Bengals have had uh, twelve winning seasons all time. He had three of them. Uh, I mean, 10-plus uh, ten, ten win seasons. Uh, he had three of them. They've had 16 winning seasons. I mean, 97 above. He has seven of them. So he was a winner during his time there, now. So he took them to a Super Bowl. And he's also playing during the Steel Curtain, Miami Dolphins, Oakland Raiders era, when they were going to all the Super Bowls. Um, he, he's one of only 10 players all time, over 70% completion percentage. And when he had the record it stood for 27 years until uh the the unstoppable drew Brees uh broke that record um little known fact that I, I found out that he's still 16th all-time in rushing in Bengals history so not only could he could he swing it he was also an underrated runner um you know be able to tuck and run and he didn't run a lot but when he did he was very effective he's got a higher rushing uh average than uh cam newton john elway names that are from are are synonymous with uh, mobile quarterbacks. So <clears throat> that was one of the underrated things that uh, about him that I found out um, as part of his game. Um, like I said, he was MVP. He actually had three three touchdowns in that Super Bowl. So you know, if it wasn't for that big goal line stand, the Bengals, you know, probably have their first championship. Um, but he played very well. He did throw two interceptions, but he did he threw for two, ran for one over 300 yards in that Super Bowl. So he played very well in that Super Bowl. Um that's why he's my he's my my all-time uh, top 5 Bengal. Um you know like I said he's he should be in the hall. Like if he had that ring, he's got the numbers, he's got the accolades, that ring would definitely put him in the hall. Ken, tell
0: tell us your thoughts on on Anderson. What's your impressions of him?
2: Uh, he just hit it on the, the head there. There's, uh, without a doubt in my mind, if they would have won the Super Bowl in 1981. Uh, there have been a couple more, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, in the Hall of Fame right now. And he would definitely be one of them. And I still right now think he's deserving of it. You see, he's MVP. You look at his numbers for, uh, compared to a lot of the, uh, current, uh, pro football Hall of Fame quarterbacks. His numbers are right up there. Uh, like I said, I think that, uh, not winning that Super Bowl because as a quarterback, you know that's what they, you know, hold a lot of weight on that uh, winning that ring. But as far as him being shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, he's he's definitely should be in there. Uh, like I said, I um, I watched him pretty much all growing up um, throughout throughout his career and seeing him. Um, him and my dad were good friends and. Um, I definitely think he should uh, be in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully, uh, he eventually get in there. Brian,
0: he was a, a bit of a scrambling quarterback before that was popular, like it is now.
2: Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he would scramble. He could, he could throw it. Uh, he was an all-around quarterback, and like I said, his, his numbers speak for himself. And. And he was in the era when they were playing against the, uh, the steel curtain, you know. The so it was a tough, it was a tough division, and uh, the Bengals sell their own actually a lot uh, during those years. So uh, he definitely uh, was playing against some tough defense. And the rule changes, and you know, the, a lot of the rule changes how they are now, where you can't even touch a quarterback. So uh, it it was a tough era. Yeah, they, they during
4: that steel curtain, Oakland Raiders, Miami Dolphins yeah. era. He still had, he still put up six six winning seasons, that's you know, great. so that's
2: something that's to do in that era. That says a lot. It sure is.
4: Yeah, I mean, something to add is
1: that, I mean, for his time, I mean, if you look at like 1970s, 80s stats, you know, it, it's hard to compare them to now, but if you compare to the other, you know, his contemporaries, he was a very, very efficient quarterback. You know, he didn't, you know, his completion percentage was was really high. He didn't make a lot of mistakes either. He didn't cost his team many games at all, you know, and, and it, that was something that you really looked at because there was a lot of guys back in that era that would make the big mistakes and they would cost their team, but Kenny Anderson really wasn't one of them.
2: Well, he started to actually. He was the beginning of the West Coast offense with Steve Walsh. Uh, they they just took off, and Steve Walsh really, uh, you know, said some nice things about him. So uh, he he started that West Coast offense. Bill Walsh, but yeah, I, didn't I know mean, not, I, I mean, I thought Bill, Steve, yeah, Bill Walsh, uh, for the, right, yeah, right. Walsh.
0: Well, let's move on to Anthony Munoz, one of the greatest offensive linemen, not just. He's the greatest offensive lineman period in Bengals history, but he's one of the greatest in NFL history. So drafted, pick number three overall in the 1980 draft. Spent his entire 13-year career with the Bengals. I know uh, he, he did go down to Tampa for to try for a 14th season, and he got cut. He was very beat up by that point, his body and stuff. But um, he's the only Hall of Famer we're discussing tonight. Went went into the Hall in 1998. You know his stats they speak for themselves 11 pro bowls nine first team all pros two second team all pros he's on the nfl 100th anniversary team um and he's played in both cincinnati Bengals super bowls there's not too many people that can claim that so that's uh something special that he has Um, he was offensive lineman of the year two times uh is voted four times offensive player lineman of the year by the players association also four times by the Alumni Association. He set the Bengals record for Pro Bowls um, on the NFL Network's top 100 players. He's number 12, and that's the highest offensive lineman uh, in that ranking. He's a member of the inaugural Ring of Honor for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in 2021, went into the the, the Ring of Honor there. Um, first Bengals player, as I said, to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, and you know, he, he's very big in the Cincinnati community. He stayed there after his retirement. Um, he's got the, the Munoz Foundation. They've helped over 40,000 kids in the Cincinnati area, um, you know, who are struggling. And he's just, he's accessible and he's involved and he's, he's an advocate and he's very, very popular in the Cincinnati area still to this day. And he's been retired for over, 20 years so 25 years probably man that makes that's <laughs> been a long time <laughs> but uh, I, I don't see how anybody can make an argument that he's not going to belong in the top five um can you know munoz maybe
2: the greatest of all time you think uh mr bingo uh he, like i said he's the only uh cincinnati bingo that you know played majority with well, majority of his career in cincinnati that's in the hall of fame so all that you mentioned and more, a uh, very uh, nice guy, uh, professional. Every time I've met him, he's always been uh, nice uh, to me and my family. Um, and what can I say? You know, I can say he's he's that constant uh, professional, uh, great guy. And the, the numbers speak for himself. You know, he's pretty much on every list that you can imagine, every Hall of Fame. Uh, so, yeah, I would say he's... You know, he's every list is always you know, number one as far as Cincinnati. One or two at, at the at the least, too. So uh definitely.
0: I think he's in that uh was it Mirabella beer commercial? Is that the one I'm thinking of? That's one of those beer commercials. I can I'm think of a sure. song on my background, but I can't think of the name of the beer. <laughs> all
2: right.
0: <laughs> let's move on to our first wide receiver tonight, AJ Green.
1: AJ Green, all right. Six foot four. 210 pounds wide receiver um he had above average uh, arm length uh 34 and 3 8 inches the nfl average about 32 uh 4 5 40 pretty darn good speed so green he was um he was the sec freshman of the year at georgia in, in uh, 2008 and he had a great career in georgia uh, he it was all sec in 2008 2009 2010 all-American 2009 and 2010, so the Bengals saw fit to draft him fourth overall um, in the in the uh, 2011 draft, and he ended up playing uh, 10 seasons with the Bengals, and he made seven uh, consecutive Pro Bowls, so very very consistent right off the bat. Um, he was very productive, six 1,000 yard seasons. Uh, And and in 2016, he missed six games, but he still had 964 yards, so almost a seventh 1,000-yard season. Um, He topped 10 TDs three different seasons, very impressive there, too. Um, You talk about the NFL top 100 list, you know, they do that season by season. Well, this guy's been on it almost every year of his career. Um, In 2012, he was 77th. 2013, he was 16th. 2014, he was ninth. 2015, he was 37th, 2016, he was 16th, 2017, he was 17th, 2018, he was 22nd, and 2019, he was 58th. So, I mean, what, three or four of those seasons, he was considered a top 20 player uh, league-wide, regardless of position. So very, very impressive. Um, One of the big moments in his career... Uh, kind of gets forgotten because of the result of the game. But in 2016, that, that crazy wild card game between the Bengals and the Steelers, um, he caught what should have been the game winning touchdown in that game with uh, less than two minutes to go. And then, you know, we all, we all know how things unfolded. You know, Pac Man Jones, perfect. They lost their cool and the penalties and, and they ended up losing the game. But man, AJ Green made a clutch catch there to put his team in a position to win in the postseason. Um, so that was, that was a great moment for him. Um, he's number two on the Bengals franchise all-time list in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and he's number one in yards per game with 74.3. Uh, so very impressive uh, there. And recently, he was signed. He was signed with the Cardinals. Um, but for ten years, he gave uh, Cincinnati some high-quality play at wide receiver.
4: Yeah.
0: So I mean, do you know anything about like? what the vibe is now in Cincinnati on AJ Green since he left. And I know it wasn't under the greatest circumstances.
2: Uh, no, uh, it wasn't, but I mean, it's part of the business. But uh, I know that uh, the Huda Nation, they, they got love for him. He was a, a true professional. Uh, he was definitely a number one wide receiver. Like you say, he did for 10 years and uh, he, he, he was he was that guy for those years. Uh unfortunately, he got hurt. But, you know, sometimes it's just part of the business that, you know, uh, especially in today's game, where a lot of uh, a lot of the greats don't have the opportunity to finish their career with one team. So, uh, no, I think that uh, the fans, they, they still have love for AJ and understand the business side of it. And now that they have Chase, you know, that would kind of, uh, you know, kind of, Ease that transition. So, um, like I said, I I think that uh, you know the fans, you know, they, I can say they still have love for him. Okay,
0: Paul, you think uh, AJ is going to be a fantasy lover's dream once again this year, or is, or is maybe that injury
3: taking yeah, away from him too much? Injury and age. I don't think he'll be as effective as he once was. He just he's to me synonymous with. With like a Megatron, not in stature and size, but you gotta wonder if they had both been with a premier quarterback, what kind of numbers they would have put up. And I just unfortunately I think he was wasted, you know, and with his time in Cincinnati, I don't think he can put up what he used to just because nobody beats Father Time, right? All right, let's move on to our
0: next wide receiver, it's gonna be Chad Johnson.
4: Ocho Cinco. What can I say about Ocho Cinco? He was uh, <clears throat> he was a fun guy on the field, you know. Like from the celebrations, whenever he scored, whenever I watched the games, I was like, "What is Chad going to do next?" I remember he proposed to the young lady that year. you on the sideline where he played. Uh, he played golf with the with the pylon, or when he took over the camera from the uh, the camera the on field camera guy. You just never knew what you were going to get out of Chad when he scored a touchdown but you did know what you were gonna get on him every Sunday. He was one of the best route runners in the history of the NFL. Darrell Rivas recently just said the same thing that he never matched up with him in his prime, but from watching tape and watching film, Chad Johnson is the best route runner of all time. with the five straight four bowls uh, in, you know, in the, in the early part of the decade. I mean, he was a matchup nightmare. Uh, he's still the all time leader in receptions, yards, touchdowns in Cincinnati Bengals history. Um, you know, and a lot of those seasons, a lot of his early seasons, he was playing with John Kitna and Keely Smith, you know, those names. So, you know, he got Carson Palmer a little bit, and that's when his game was elevated a little more when he started getting 1,300 seasons, 1,400, 1400 yard seasons. But, you know, he, like I said, he was a matchup nightmare, and I hated when he played the Steelers. Because he he used to torch the Steelers, so you know um, he was fun. He was a really fun player to watch, and like I said, that's why I, I believe that he's uh, needs to be in the top five Bengals of all time. Um, you know, with the two two back to back Pro Bowls, and uh, and you know he did it on teams that weren't very good. You know, he only had two winning seasons while you know while he was one of the premier receivers in the league. So he did it in you know. You know I think if he wasn't so flashy, he would have put up those numbers and then me. So, uh, you know, he, um, you know, Chad Johnson, top five.
0: And he was on Dancing with the Stars. I can't tell you how many people we've talked about on the show that have been on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin was here. He'd be calling that out. But uh, Ken, what are your thoughts there on Ocho Cinco? He's very flashy. That's for sure.
2: Uh, he was a definition of an entertainer. He brought entertainment to it, it but it was always in fun. Uh, never. He's a Florida guy. I'm from Florida, so Florida guys they love to talk. Uh, I remember this. Uh, when my, my dad was up there for um, for w- one of the events that they had, and it was my dad and Chris Collinsworth and uh, Chad came up, and you know he was talking to you, like, "You want some? You know, wish I, I would have did the same thing to you." So he was always talking, but it was always a fun spirit. And he was able to go out there and produce as well. So that even made it better. Um, really loved this game. Like I said, some of the quickest feet, uh, best uh, one of the best uh, route runners. And he just brought that uh, that that fun and uh, entertainment to the game.
4: I can't remember the clip.
2: I can't remember the uh, DB that
4: he was talking to when he walked walked out of the huddle and onto the onto the play. And he told the DB what he was going to do, uh, and he did yeah. it. Yeah. He
1: caught the pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, one thing, one thing, real quick about about Ocho is like, I mean, some of these other guys, you know, To and some others, you know, AB would, yeah, you know, they had like that diva sort of attitude, and it would be detrimental to the team. But for in my opinion, I think like Ocho, he would have that sort of thing, he sort of had a thing too, but it was never you know detrimental to his team. It never like hurt his team or anything. You know, he always it seemed like it it, it energized him, and that kind of had the opposite effect. That he was part of the group
0: that started the who Day, right?
1: Oh no, no, that goes that goes way back. That goes way oh, yeah, back. That, yeah, that yeah, goes that's, back that's to the a- who Day beer.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, all,
1: right. all right.
0: Let's move on to our final offensive player of the night. It's gonna be TJ Hushmanzada.
3: You gotta love the name hushmanzada If you're playing an earlier version of Madden, he's on there as Hooshman's. Uh, The game used to limit to 12 characters. They ended up having to change that. And then Madden NFL 2010, they finally put his full name on there. People, for the most part, seem to have trouble with this name. But it all actually became crystal clear in about 2006 when Chad Johnson introduced him on ESPN's Monday Night Preseason game as TJ, who's your mama? And (laughs) as I listened to, like... Ocho Cinco stats and A.J. Green stats, yeah, I'm a little less confident about T.J., but let's talk about him. Seventh-round pick out of Oregon State, Uh, rookie season, 2001, 21 catches for 228 yards. When I looked at that, you know, because he didn't become a starter until 04, I was starting to think to myself, it might be T.J., why is he on here? But uh, we end up getting a little bit better. In 04, he's a full-time starter. He played for Cincinnati from 01 to 08. Then he became a Seahawk in 09. Interesting fact about the Seahawks, they gave him like this $40 million deal. And I think in a lot of the, the outlets I saw, it's always ranked as one of the top 25 or top 20 worst contracts. But um, he... He had a quick stay in Baltimore and Oakland, too. And and I just think with Cincinnati, which was the bulk of his career, he could potentially have been maybe an effective running back because before Oregon State, he actually went to, like, a junior college. It was called Cerritos College. And he he was trying out running back there, and I think there was some concerns. He was too tall, a little too tall for running back. But he he had a good little career there. He had 1,152 receiving yards on 65 receptions. He had two 103-yard kickoff returns, 92-yard punt return. In his only season with Oregon State, he caught 42 passes for 656 yards and six touchdowns, uh, helped the team defeat Notre Dame in the 2001 festival This guy did have a lot of athletic talent, and it might be in a situation here where it's like another what could have been versus what was, but he starts to slim down in his time with the Bengals in 04. He does rush a little bit more. He rushed for 51 yards, averaging about 8.5 yards per attempt. In, in 05, he rushes again, rushes eight times for 62 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt, and scored his first career touchdown uh, in that time frame. your Mama ends up averaging 89 receptions, 1,012 yards, eight touchdowns every year. From 2004 to 2008, he ends up getting a Pro Bowl honors in in 2007 when his 112 receptions led the NFL. So he had a few really good years with the Bengals and one really standout year, but his basic career totals or stats are 146 games, 627 receptions, 7,227 yards, 44 total uh, touchdowns. He only averaged about 11.5 yards per reception. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that kind of puts him maybe in the in the Fitzgerald kind of uh, average. But Fitzgerald, much longer career, much better career. But um, what maybe be an average NFL could be stellar for the Bengals, you know, perhaps underutilized with them. It could have been both maybe a running and receiving threat. But nonetheless, I think a really nice respectable NFL career I uh, got that one high dollar contract, so they thought, you know, something of him. But I'm wondering if maybe Ken's got any stories about him or what Ken thinks about him.
2: Um, I think I think he was a good complimentary receiver to Chad. Uh, like you said, uh, he had some nice years there. Uh, but I would, uh, as far as top five, I, I have mm-hmm. to go back, you know, to. You know, Isaac Curtis, uh, that's who I would definitely put one of the, uh, the top receivers to ever played. The game actually should be uh, considered for the Hall of Fame, too. He was a uh, sprinter out of San Diego State, and uh, like I said, he was definitely a, a game changer, too, uh, with his speed. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, he it was definitely a good uh, complimented receiver, he had some nice years for the Bengals.
0: Ken, let me ask you this he he mentioned tj was a 7th round pick your your father was 6th round pick do you feel mm-hmm. that maybe guys who are drafted later on in the draft like that have to prove themselves more to to get into that starting lineup
2: oh of course uh that's definitely uh coming in in the later rounds you're definitely uh sometimes you know you have to earn that spot you know a, a lot of, sometimes of the first rounder you know money's involved and you know they come with a lot of a long, a longer leash versus a sixth or seventh rounder, you know, like Tom Brady's, you, you come in with that chip and you, you, you have to prove and earn everything you get. So, um, I definitely think that's, that holds some weight to it.
1: one, one, one thing to throw out real quick about who's been saw that is that, I mean, it didn't always show up on the stat sheets, but he made a lot of tough catches over the middle. I mean, He was a heck of yeah. a receiver in the slot. I mean, I can think of a lot of times where they needed, a, you know, it was a third and seven or a third and nine or something. And he made that key catch that they needed to keep the drive going.
4: I
3: thought about yeah. that, Brian, and that could be his low, you know, average yards because a lot of his were over the middle. I mean, and that's kind of unfair when you see it on paper, but you're right. You're right, sure yeah. Drive, he wasn't really known,
1: like, as a deep, deep yeah. threat. It was more of a, you know, more of a possession receiver.
2: Yeah, that complimentary. Yeah, I think he, like you said, he, he did make some clutch plays and, you know, running across the middle. So that, I mean, you need that as well, so. All right, let's move
4: on to the defense. Of the guy side
2: of the that, ball. Uh, oh, go ahead, Ralu. I'm sorry.
4: I was just say that was another guy that killed the defense. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, I remember that. You know, he had you know that. Uh, and I'll never forget when he wiped his feet, his cleat, mm-hmm. with a terrible towel. Disrespectful, <laughs> 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 for funny. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, let's go on to defense. We're going to start. Uh, we got two defenders to talk about. We're going to start with Geno Atkins.
4: All right. Gino Atkins.
1: Um, this guy was a ferocious defensive tackle, uh, Georgia from 2006 to 2009. Um, he averaged 11 tackles for loss per season in his last three seasons. So he went in the fourth round, um, to the Bengals in 2010, and he ended up playing 11 seasons with them. Uh, he was selected to the Pro Bowl in eight of those seasons. Um, so only three seasons he didn't. The, but really the reasons why the fir- the first season or the first one he didn't make it was his rookie season. Cause he hadn't really gotten to this, you know, the starting line like established. Um, another one was 2013 when he got injured and missed eight games. And then another one was just this past season where he got hurt too. So when he played all 16 games, he made the Pro Bowl. And there's not a whole, not a whole lot of players that can say that. Um, he's got the second most Pro Bowl selections in Bengals history. Um, Uh, after uh, Munoz Um, he was also selected to the all-pro team four times and he was chosen for the NFL 2010s all-decade team so he's second in franchise history in quarterback sacks with 75 and a half he's second in tackles for loss with 100 and he's second in QB hits with 172 in 2012 um, Atkins he got the the highest grade of any defensive lineman from uh from PFF um they thought that he was um the best defensive lineman in the league for that season um in 2017 he was voted as the 68th best player on the NFL uh top 10 countdown and, and he was 63rd in 2018 um Atkins you know when you look at him you sort of describe him he was just a great pass rusher but he also was excellent in run support as well um, he was six foot one, three hundred pounds, and he was able to get underneath linemen and, and and get you know get that leverage. He was very athletic. He was very quick. Um, he was very powerful, and sometimes it was a little deceptive. Um, but he was able to he was able to outsmart um, offensive linemen a lot as well. Uh, it really made him a nightmare to block, and he proved to be very versatile in twenty nineteen he changed to uh, his position to defensive end and he was still able to make the pro bowl as a defensive end so not a lot of guys can say that they made it as a defensive tackle and as a defensive end in their career Um, so just a very very versatile very uh, great bangle uh, on the defensive side of the ball ken
0: he's probably their greatest defensive lineman of all time i mean what are your thoughts on, on mr atkins
2: I uh, definitely think that he's uh, one of the top uh, defensive players uh, to come out of uh, Cincinnati. Little known history fact that his father, Gene, actually played uh, for his senior year, played for my father at Florida AM. and uh, And then he went on to play for uh, the Saints, for the Saints and the Miami Dolphins. But uh, I think that uh, Gino actually opened the door for Aaron Donald. They're the same, uh, you know, he came in and had success. So it gave those little, uh, with a shorter but strong, tight um, lineman, that opportunity. But uh, definitely had a great career in uh, Cincinnati and was a a beast uh, for a long time.
0: Rollo, again, you're our you're our Steelers guru. So, what are your thoughts on Atkins? He got to the quarterback quite often in his career. <laughs>
4: He uh, didn't fare so well against the Steelers as some of the other divisional opponents. So like he had 10 and a half versus um, Baltimore, he had eight and a half versus um, Cleveland, but he only had seven versus the you know, Steelers in uh, 19 career games. So, but he was a beast to watch. I mean, he, like Brian said, he would get underneath the and, and bull rush, you know, at 6 one 300. He was strong, he was quick, he was athletic. You know, we very, very rarely see players that size dominate the game the way that he he did and the way that Aaron Donald is doing right. now.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on to our final player tonight. And that's going to be Ken Riley. That's his picture. Oh, there we go. Right behind mm-hmm. him. So 15 yeah. years he spent as a Bengal. That was his entire career. Uh, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, first-team All-Pro in 1983. He retired with 65 interceptions, which at that time was fourth all-time. It's now fifth, I I don't remember who passed him, but he's still up up there in the top five. And he also had three interceptions in the playoffs. But what uh, many people don't realize is he also recovered 18 fumbles. So that is 86 turnovers in his career he brought the ball back to his team 86 times that's a really really good stat um, and people some people don't realize that at florida a m he was a qb he wasn't a corner so it wasn't until he came to the nfl that uh they moved him to corner out there in his rookie year and once he did start never looked back um he's also a kick returner for the Bengals. So I did a little bit of both sides of the ball there. Um, the really great stat that I got here, it's called approximate value. And basically, that's a stat of a player's value to his team. And they have done every player since 1960 on. So Ken Riley is ranked 82nd of every player from 1960 as valued to his team. So that is an incredible stat when you think of how many players have gone through the the, the, the NFL, and at 82, that puts him right above Brian Erlacher, Barry Sanders, Tony Gonzalez, and many more Hall of Famers. So he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be, uh, 100% should be. And I, I got a really good quote here from him. I'm going to end on this with this quote, and then we'll let Ken talk about his dad here for a little bit. But he said, I think my numbers are deserving of the Hall of Fame. I've always been modest and low-key type of guy. I've always thought your work would speak for you. It's like it's working against me now because the older you get, the longer you stay out of it. People forget who you are." So it's just a, a really, a really good and accurate quote and, and how he felt about not getting into the hall there. So Ken, t- tell us about your father. I mean, I think he's a pro bowler all the way. I'm hoping maybe the, what is it, the, the alumni, uh, people will get him
2: in at some point, but uh, what, tell us about your dad. Well, that was an interesting, stat. about the 82, I've never heard that one, uh, and also he never made the uh, Pro Bowl, that was the big mystery as well, they, that's another like sore spot that I think that was like just crazy unbelievable, uh, but like you well, said, was
0: it the you know, a- the
2: the a- wasn't it the AFL Pro Bowls that he was in or something nah, like he, that? No, no, he was never, he was an All Pro three times, but never all a pro, yeah. pro three times. Never, right, never okay. Pro Bowl. I mean, it was like I said, that's ridiculous as well. But you know, that was another thing that was out of his control. But like you said, number five all time that ever played the game at the time of his uh, retirement, he was number four. Then Rod Woodson uh, passed him, uh, and he's tied now with. Um, Um, Yeah, Charles Woodson. But he's number two as far as true corners because most of those guys either eventually, once they got older, transitioned to safety like Rob Woodson and the Charles Woodson. But he played on that corner for 15 years. Uh, So number two all the time as far as uh, a true corner. And uh, just never played defense ever you know until he got to the uh, professional league so it's the transition from a quarterback being pampered in college to make that transition to a quarterback and to start all 15 years in the last two years leading the conference in interceptions so he was continuing to to get better and uh it's just remarkable to to have 65 interceptions i have a picture with uh, kenny houston who's in the hall of fame paul Krauss and my father and it was like the total interception was almost like 200 interception which is crazy paul Krause had 81. you think about that it's like it's it's, it's mind-boggling and um, i can never say enough i can run off stats because when you think about you they went the times he was playing wasn't a passing league uh, and i know there's an argument saying oh, well, he played against lamar Parrish, who's another great corner who should be in the hall of fame but Anyway, you slice it, you know, Deion Sanders, look at the corners played on the other side of it, him. All right, you know, do they have the numbers? You have to still be in position to make those plays. And when he had the opportunity, he, he was he was a true ball, true professional. Uh, definitely, like I said, whenever you think about all time, five-fifth all time, should be in the Hall of Fame, should have been in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, he's not alive to, to see it, but I think it's going to happen The Bingo, and uh, the organization, Cincinnati Bing is doing a great job of uh, actually, uh, you know, keeping his name out and uh, supporting the efforts to get him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So hopefully, uh, one day in the near future, uh, we would get his name called and then he'll uh, get into the hall, which he rightfully deserves.
0: Brian, let me ask you: How do you compare him to, let's say, another guy who played corner his entire career, like a who's in the Hall of Fame, like a Daryl
1: Daryl Green? Um, well, I mean, Green was a little bit faster, but, um, uh, one thing about Riley was Riley was very, he was very good at baiting the quarterback into making a mistake. Um, I, I remember a particular game where they went against the Oakland Raiders, and we know, you know, Jim Plunkett was a pretty darn good quarterback, um, you know, for the Raiders, won a couple of Super Bowls, and he baited Plunkett into three interceptions that game, you know, and so that was the thing with him was he was... He would be a little, you know, he would gamble a little bit sometimes and give a guy a little extra cushion, but he knew what he was doing. He was very smart. And I think that probably goes back to his time as a quarterback.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I think that, that that helped. He was a student of the game. Like I said, he had been around, he'd been there for 15 years. And Dick LeBeau came as well, uh, who's who in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think he was just an all-around player, though. You know, he was able to uh, run support that, and then play the pass as well. So um I yeah. said not flashy, but he was consistent and he was consistent and able to do it for a long time and just the, uh, the constant professional and like I said anybody that knows it's, it's hard to get an, an interception. uh he, he I think he averaged like four or five a year I mean it's, it's just crazy like I said to to, to to obtain those numbers
0: right all right let's move into our vote here tonight. Brian, let's
1: start with you. All right, well, um, I, I might be, I might be uh, accused of being kissing up to uh, uh Ken Riley here. I'm gonna put Ken Rowley in right away. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess with this guy no more. We're gonna put him in that top five. Um, I mean, like like what Ken was saying, great against the pass and great against the run. I mean, I saw some highlights of this guy putting the smackdown on some running backs and some wide receivers. So yeah, he had a lot of parts to his game. Not just a, uh, not just a uh, guy that, you know covering the passes.
3: Okay. Paul? Yeah, I agree with Brian. I mean, the, the whole point is we got to get, you know, the word out there. Ken Riley, to me, symbolizes work ethic, technique. I'm a big technique guy. Uh, strong. So i, I got to put him in there. Um, and I like your guy too, Mike, Munoz. I think he's, he's,
4: a, he's the best in his class. Okay.
0: So Munoz, Riley, Rollo?
4: Let me just start by saying it's a Travis D. Riley is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, give me uh, um, Gimme Boomer. Boomer? Give me a Boomer.
0: All right. I was gonna take Boomer, so that's gonna make me ask think yeah. for a
2: second.
0: <laughs> oh man. Uh oh gosh, nobody took Gino Atkins yet? Um uh, Gino, man, heck yeah. I mean we gotta we gotta represent on the defensive side of the ball here for sure. So that gives us two defenders in there. So uh Ken, I mean you got three wide receivers here to choose from. Who, who, who which one you taking?
2: No, I have to go wide receiver. They
0: yeah, so the the three remaining are Chad Johnson, TJ hushman'zada and AJ Green. So you got the hard part of the night.
4: <laughs> And Ken Anderson, uh, Ken
0: Anderson also too. Oh, Kenny Anderson. Anderson, yeah, I forgot Kenny
2: Anderson, yeah, that's right. Well, I got to, I got to, I got to, I'm biased, like I said, from the, the 69 to 80 crew, so I got to go with Ken Anderson. I got to go with the bookend, number 13 and number 14, so uh, I'm going to go with Ken Anderson. And uh, 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 No, yeah.
0: that's good. So that makes the Bengals' top five tonight. Ken Riley, Anthony Munoz, Boomer Esiason, Gino Atkins, and Kenny Anderson in no particular order and the wide receivers have been shut out. That's what you get to be in <laughs>
4: the <deepest.
0: laughs> So we're all gonna ask one question each tonight for, for Ken. Um, Brian, your guest,
1: you, you can ask first.
4: Okay. Um,
1: okay, as far as you know, who was who your, your father's best friends on the team and who were his rivals, um, you know, throughout the league?
2: Uh, best friends, I would say, um, position players that he played with, uh, but Reggie Williams was a linebacker. Um, uh, he's, my father's actually the godfather to his sons. They were uh, roommates on the road. Uh, Lamar Parrish, uh, Louis Breeden, the other cornerback during that time. Isaac Curtis, those, uh, those were the, uh, is real, the closest that I can probably say. And then what was the other question?
1: Uh, any any rivals that maybe he had throughout the league?
2: Uh, well, they played the Steelers twice a year, so uh, he would match up against Stallworth, and then I guess uh, Lamar had uh, Swan, so I would say uh, Stallworth, because that was uh, twice a year for a while, so. Well, can... I got
3: a quick two-parter here. I've, I've watched a lot of interviews with you and you would referenced in one or two of them that your dad actually didn't really want you playing football until you were in the ninth grade. I wondered if you kind of agreed with that in retrospect and if you would have gotten an earlier start, if you'd have, might have, you think you might've gone further with it. And then along that football career question path, your dad spent a lot of time going over technique with you when you got into to playing football. And you said that you still see a lot of players nowadays that didn't spend a lot of time on that technique. What Can you give an example of like something
2: you see players that are in the pro level doing wrong over and over again? Uh, good questions. Uh, Ask your first question. I totally never agreed with me not playing uh, earlier. Always wanted to play. I was,
4: I'm I still
2: like, man, <laughs> yeah, that, that bothers me to this day.
4: Yeah. Uh, as
2: far as uh, me, I don't think it made a difference. Uh, I actually went to the Combines in 95, but I had injuries my senior year. Uh I had hamstring injury, and I think that that overall pretty much uh, kind of uh, derailed my career because I went into the Combines and ran a slow time. Uh, the second part of your question is that, uh, yeah, I, I learned so much from them And the biggest thing is they don't know how to attack the ball. They don't, they want to bat the ball down. He would always, you know, get upset about, you know, catch the ball, you know, you know, making sure that you get an interception or turnover. So, um, and then just little things now, instead of, um, you know, just turning and running, just little thing that it's kind of like he, he could just pick up immediately and say, hey, they're doing it wrong. And we'd be watching and we would call it back and forth. Hey, did you see that? You know, just instead of, you know, catching up to the man, and looking back at the quarterback or they're false step that's false stepping when your weight's not forward. It, it, it's just a lot of things that, you know, even I can just pick up now and say that uh, today they they don't really teach that technique. So I was able to to learn a lot from them and. Uh, he was a technician and a student of the game. So he could immediately, you know, look at a player and say, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. So, um, yeah, good question though. Rallo?
4: We all know that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And when he did interviews, he said all the right things. But behind, when he wasn't in front of the camera, he was just around you guys and the friends and family. How much
2: did not being in the Hall of Fame bother him? Uh, He would say, like I said, my dad, that's just my dad, even off camera, he would never really let on how much it bothered him. We would have those conversations. But the only time it really bothered him when, you know, he would, you know, people would call they'd start the time of year when it's time for the Hall of Fame, and he'd get those calls, like, why aren't you in? And then when he started thinking about it, he was like, yeah, I should be in. You know, I, what else can I do? And it's unfortunate when you don't control, you don't have any control over it. He's done and he's done all he can do. So it was just frustrating to uh, because it's basically in the hands of somebody else. And it's more of like, you know, it's only Bingo's been around for 50 plus years now and they only have one player. So it was very frustrating. And this last time, actually, the Centennial class, we both really thought that this was going to be it because they allowed so many uh, guys to come in at one time. And when that didn't happen, I could really tell that that that, that pushed, that really hurt him that time. And uh, so, um, but for the most part, like I said he was like, I only can control what I can control. And uh, he felt that he had done enough to his numbers spoke for himself. So he was at peace with, you know, with it all.
0: So let, let me ask you, Growing up with a father who was a professional athlete, I'm sure there's kind of like two sides to it. Like sometimes maybe you feel shadowed and but other times like it's just a, a great awesome thing because you're you're hanging around football stadiums and, and football mm-hmm. players. So wh- what was it like being the child of a professional athlete?
2: Um what's was kind of weird. I know a lot of people probably say it though, is like you don't realize it because that's just your father. You know, like a lot you hear a lot of athletes say when they come home, you know, it, I'm just dad. So to me, he was just my father. But as I grew up and as I started to play, it really changed as far as me having more respect and admiration because like I said, I went to the NFL combines. I actually went up to the few many camps. And the pressure that those players are under, because it's a job now and actually you know i just remember you know us riding in the car while he's out running and i saw all of the work that he put in like growing up i could see him running and doing all of that and it it then dawned on me that thing that was a lot of hard work and uh he did it for 15 years like i said it was he he didn't fall off he was probably could have played it a couple more years but he was like he always wanted to go out on top and he did go out on top so um as i grew older i just gained that much more respect for him because I realized myself, like, man, that guy put in a lot of work. He put in a lot of work, and he did it consistently for 15 years in the right way. And uh, like I say he was an even better uh, man than, you know, an athlete, you know, uh, never any off the field trouble. Uh, went back to um, my alma mater, Florida Him uh, was a coach and then uh, um, athletic director. And then once he left there, he went back to his hometown in Bartow and he started the Ken Riley Foundation. Uh, he did a lot for the kids down there. So he was, he was always willing to help and uh, really wanted to to see uh, the youth do well and uh, my sister. So I mean, just all around great guy. And I know I'm a little biased, but outside of him being my father, he he was, he, I mean, he was he was a, he was a great guy. So. Well, thank you for joining
0: us tonight. We appreciate hearing some stories and and your yeah. views on the Bengals. I want to thank everyone who's been watching. And I, I said this one time before, when we had Richmond Webb on the show, if you work for the, if you get a vote for the Hall of Fame, Ken Riley is a Hall of Famer. Put him in the Hall of Fame.
2: So I'll end well, on not. that. Yeah, well, I'd like to thank you all for the time. And like I said, it's nice uh, speaking with you guys. And uh, I, I appreciate you all with the support and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate
2: it. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you.